I have some really exciting news for listeners of the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Most people think lifestyle investing is about making more money or creating additional passive income streams. And while that is part of it, the most savvy lifestyle investors understand that having a solid tax strategy is fundamental and really foundational to creating wealth. I firmly believe that having the right tax strategy is the single best investment that you can make. I know tax strategy isn't the sexiest topic, but once you understand a few key elements to the IRS playbook, the compounding benefit you receive year after year is enormously significant. In fact, we have members inside the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind who have used these strategies and have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, and in some cases, millions of dollars. This is not a nice to have if you're interested in growing your wealth. This is a must. In our brand new tax strategy masterclass, I have hand-selected and shared the details of the 28 most valuable strategies to help you increase your tax savings this year and for years to come. Plus, if you want to hire a top-tier tax strategist, it can easily set you back tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. And you want to make sure that you have the best, most accurate information to ensure that you're hiring the right person for you. That's why we included a whole section with advice, resources, and multiple interviews with my personal tax specialists to help you build a bulletproof tax team, but for a fraction of the cost. The entire tax strategy masterclass was designed for people like you who want to keep more of their hard-earned money without having to sift through the complicated tax code. If you're interested, head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash tax to learn more about the course or set up a free consultation call with our team at lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation. Again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash tax. You very quickly, when you have a nice business, you get to the point that like you're making enough money. You know, once I was getting over $100,000 a month, it was kind of just like, Cool. That was a hell of a milestone. And the rest is just going in the bank to then go and invest or make more, right? And put it to work. So I realized after selling the company that how much I valued the personal challenge aspect and the personal satisfaction of literally just waking up every day with having something to put my energy into to make it incrementally better. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Imagine growing your side hustle to a $1 million business in a single year. That's exactly what Cole Humphus did with his online wedding photography business. 
He continued to grow that company to a total of $13.6 million while making sales on autopilot without having to be any kind of influencer or do any selling on social media. Eventually, Cole landed an eight-figure exit deal, allowing him to spend more time with family and live life on his terms. Cole went on to start Rapid Scale Group, a company that has helped over 200,000 customers build a seven-figure-per-year business without sacrificing profit or lifestyle. So whether you're thinking about quitting your day job to start that business or want to grow your existing one, Cole's here to share all kinds of insights. In today's episode, we dig into the strategies he used to develop and sell his business, how to turn niche traffic into large revenue streams, the importance of pursuing a fulfilling lifestyle outside of business, and so much more. One more thing before we get to today's interview. Cole has a special gift for Lifestyle Investor podcast listeners. He's giving away his Autopilot Profits Playbook, which outlines the concepts and lessons he's learned from taking his online courses and digital products business from $0 to $4.5 million in annual sales in just a handful of years after quitting corporate America. To get access to this gift, visit justindonald.com forward slash 94. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Cole Humphus. What's up, Cole? So glad to have you on the show. Hey, man. Happy to be here. This is awesome. Hey, this is a, a really cool opportunity for us to celebrate something really fun and really special in your life. I think the goal that every entrepreneur has is to have an exit of some sort. And you've just been able to do that. And uh, I just want to say congratulations. Thanks, man. Yeah, it, it feels great. It's funny. Uh, like when you build these things, you, at least I never expected that that could or would happen one day and certainly not of the magnitude it, it did. It was cool. And uh, also for everyone listening, I mean, you just never know what may happen next year or what door may open. And I know you probably feel the same way. I mean, here you are hanging out with Richard Branson. So I feel like I should be congratulating you as well. Yeah, that was a, a pretty cool moment in time. A really cool... I mean, it, it's fun because it wasn't just a moment. It was five consecutive days of just deep dive conversations. It was really special, really magical. So How cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. This will be a fun chat today for sure. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And it's fun in so many ways. Like when you think about being an entrepreneur, you know, you're some entrepreneurs dream of the exit. They dream of the big acquisition. Others are just kind of in the heat of the moment of this thing that they developed and all of a sudden it becomes big. Right. And for you, you had an eight figure exit, which is really exciting because in theory, if you're not making poor choices, you should be set for life. Right now, just to be totally candid, I have run into people, I have interviewed people, uh, I've taken on clients that have really, you know, thought that they were going to be set for life by most people's standards should be step, set for life, but right, uh, right. they've figured out a way to lose or spend. I mean, yeah. we're talking millions upon tens of millions of dollars in, in one case over a hundred million dollars. So Ouch, yeah. 
you got to be smart. But one of the unique things about having a big transaction, I talk about this a lot on my show because I interview a lot of people that have had you know big deals. Either they're an investor, an entrepreneur, they've had these big game-changing moments. And so I, I want to ask you, because I have my theory and I've also had my experience with this, in the moment of seeing these digits show up in your bank account, I mean, it's got to feel really cool. It's got to feel cool in that moment. It's got to feel cool for a weekend, a week, a month. Right. But when does it just stop? When is it like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Because that has to happen at some point. I love that you asked that question because honestly, so the exit happened almost three years ago. And I can honestly say... For the eight, 12 to 18 months after the exit, it was the hardest time of my life. Just straight up, right? And not from a money standpoint, but sort of also. I just told this the other day to somebody. I'll share it with you. I mean, and then I'll come back to that particular question and give some specifics of when that transact, that wire actually did come through. And you're absolutely right. It was a feeling. It was the probably the most proud feeling I've had, you know, and there was definitely that like, oh my gosh. And just like you kind of alluded to, that feeling went away pretty fast. And then for those 12 to 18 months to follow, it was more of a feeling of going through like, what is next? And that's very vague. So that's why I was sort of answer that slowly because it took me a while to kind of figure out what the hell's wrong, right? And, and essentially at a high level, what I figured out after time on my own was it wasn't that I was upset or sad that I lost my baby, the business, you know? I got paid nicely for it. It was good. There was zero regrets there. But even though it wasn't part of the employment, even though there was no contractual requirement of the deal that I had to work with the company, I did have an employee contract, employment contract. I was getting, they were paying me nicely. And I was doing that because I wanted to still contribute to the larger roll-up enterprise. It was a private equity kind of deal. We're actively wanting to grow this to then have a second bite of the apple, another exit. And instantly I kind of realized, oh crap, I'm now doing everything that I hated and everything that I despised and left corporate America for to become an entrepreneur, right? I'm now part of, and it wasn't even a matter of pride of like, I want to be my own boss and I can only thrive in that aspect. But so it wasn't a like power trip thing. It was more of a, I lost all, I guess, ability of influence. I lost all challenge even, not all, but most of the challenge. In short, I realized that a lot of the money was great, but you very quickly, when you have a nice business, you, you really quickly get to the point that like you're making enough money. And for me, you know, once I was getting over a hundred thousand dollars a month, it was kind of just like, cool. That was a hell of a milestone. And the rest is just going in the bank to then go and invest or make more, right. And put it to work. So I realized after selling the company that how much I valued the personal challenge aspect and the personal satisfaction of literally just waking up every day with having something to put my energy into to make it incrementally better. And when I went back into corporate America, even though it was my own company, including ownership in the broader enterprise, but now we had all this political stuff, 80 people teams. I quickly, you know, was getting very soured. I'll very quickly let you know, though, back to the the highlight of getting the actual money. And we have mutual friends. We don't know each other too well, but I think you have known me enough to tell I'm a pretty simple guy. 
<laughs> I'm wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> it's one of my favorite t-shirts I've had for my drawer for five years. But so people are like, what do you do to celebrate? Well, we went down the street to our favorite Mexican restaurant, my wife, Nicole, myself. And at the time, we only had one daughter, then little Lacey to Lacey. We went out there for lunch. And um, after lunch, we it was sort of in this like nice little mall area with some shops. We went to the shops. And I remember my wife, Nicole, saying, one day I'm going to go over to that store and I want to buy some nice jeans there. It was this store called Madewell. I had no idea what, I'm like, what the hell do they do? Well, they make nice jeans. You know what? Let's go over there today. And we were in the shop and she was trying some on. I said, go ahead, fix them out. And I told her to get a couple, two, three pairs. She just wanted one pair. They were like $110 jeans or whatever. And I said, go for it. In that store, you know, I knew it was the wire was coming any minute. I sort of refresh, refresh. All of a sudden, there it was. And it was a uh, very high seven figures cash, just boom, right there. And that that felt great. So, Well, congratulations. That That is incredible. It's an experience that most people will never have. You know, I've, I've shared on my show before that once you get to the $30 million net worth range based on tax returns, there are only 200,000 people in the United States that have that, right? That have a net worth based on, you know, those who supply this information. Obviously, what you earn in a year is different based on what you, what your net worth is, is, is obviously different. That can be done over a period of time. It can be one and one, it can be done in one fail swoop, but it's kind of neat to think about such a small percentage of people yeah. that can actually achieve these type of numbers. And, uh, and then I think for a lot of people, you chase really hard to accomplish this thinking that what you want is the money, but you don't. What you want is like the self-satisfaction of knowing that you've done it, right? Yeah, it's the achievement. It's the challenge. It's the fulfillment. Honestly, Someone asked me the other day, I think on a podcast, like, what were my most proud moments or the things I was most proud of? And aside from selling the business, I think the, mo- the thing I was most proud of was we had a small, mighty team. And that's not necessarily what I was proud about, but that just gives some context. I mean, we didn't have like 10, 20 full-time employees. We had like 10 very part-time, most of them, 1099 contractors kind of thing. But a couple of those people, even in that role, they ended up being able to buy their first home, homes, I should say, with money from the business working for Cole's classroom. And that right there always was made me feel so good knowing that how much truly impact you have as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, both with external people that we helped, our customers, but also even our internal stakeholders too. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been a journey. It's been a journey and it's one of those journeys that you're thankful for, you're appreciative, you don't regret, but you, you do go through this like phase of like, wow, what's next? And to your point earlier, it's there's a lot of people out there that absolutely, I mean, your cost of living for many people changes as you're growing a business. But even, but it's still different. Even if you have enough money in the bank to support that, it's different than the cash flow coming in every month that you were used to from the business. And for me, that was another thing that like, it just felt weird. Like I did all the right things. I got the money invested and always, I come from a finance background too. So I get the game, but when you got it all sort of tied up and got real estate here and you got equity markets here and private equity deals here, you're kind of like, well, shit, I still need money to live off of. And I don't 
So I had to go through that too. And, and I feel, it feels good to get back in the game and, and work again, building a new business. Yeah, Cole, a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, are, are shocked to find that when you have this business that pumps off 100000 plus a month, and then you sell, uh, that the moment you have sold and you don't have something pumping off that cash, or that it's going to take time to invest in a way to pump off that sort of cash, there's this, this next level of like fear or concern of like, I'm spending my principal down. If I keep right. doing this, you know, I could spend all my money. Uh, and so it's a real, like, it sounds like it's not a, like a big deal or like, oh, you know, poor you, but it's a real problem. It's a mental. Yeah, it's a mental thing. And you've got to figure out, like, hey, how do I just get back? How do I create the cash flow to live? And so to take the stats further that we were talking about, there are 500,000 people in the United States that have a taxable income of a million dollars or more. So mm-hmm. that's pretty rare air, you know, right there already. Top 0.1%. Mm-hmm. You've got, for anyone that's ever had a year where they've earned over $10 million, there are only 20,000 people in the US with a taxable income of 20 million or more. Mm. That is such a small percentage of people. And so, the other thing to consider is when you're in that sort of a, a space, let's say that you're at the, the top 1%, and in this case, it's top 0.1% or top 0.005%, right? I mean, you're in, you're in the smallest percentage that is measured in the US. That's also the way that you need to look at the advisors, meaning sure. that only 0.1% percent of the advisors out there and money managers and financial experts are actually qualified for you, for your situation. And Mm. it's a job to just make sure that you're finding people in your network that you trust, that know your situation and really have the tools at their fingertips to be able to help people like you, right? Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people can get in trouble, right? Like when you have the money in the bank, I mean, you know, like Damon and John, right? His book, The Power of Broke. Like it's so real because like the motivations that you have are so different when you have your back against the wall and you need to grow that damn business. And just like it's a mindset thing when, you know, you know that you got money in the bank, but you you want that monthly cash flow. It's also a mindset thing when you're trying to do these other things. You're like, oh, no big deal. Like I grow businesses. Like I'm totally going to like smash it on the next one. Maybe, but what I've learned, but probably not, right? And I don't say that to be like, you know, that's obviously a general statement, but what I'm trying to get at is first and foremost, my life's different now than it was, not just financially, but literally I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old now. Life is crazy. Like, like surviving the juggling act that I'm choosing to do, building a new business, doing good work for good clients, still being a great husband, still being there for all, for the kids and all that. It is truly hard. Now, with all of that background context and all those other things at this stage of life, now when you go and start a business or acquire business and grow it or whatever, And what I've learned firsthand and seen, even as I'm growing other people's businesses in my new role, it's like, there's no half-assedness. Like you've got, if 
the reason, the thing that got us the success that we got was because we freaking put in the work as if our backs were against the wall, because back then they were, I mean, I, <laughs> it's no surprise that my business went from a hundred thousand dollars, 135 K to be specific on the first year to 1.5 million the next year to then three and then four and a half before selling because my wife and I quit our jobs. We, we like quit the safety net. So I think the hard thing and something that I had to sort of go through and for anyone else who's maybe an entrepreneur listening, maybe you've already sold, maybe you can relate, maybe you're going to sell. Like when it's time to step on the gas, it's not like everything you touch is going to go to gold. Like you got to get ready to buckle down and put in the work and that still have that hustle, even though your bank account is kind of saying, well, you don't really need to hustle as hard. You do, because otherwise you're just going to not get the success that you are expecting to get. You know, it's a double-edged sword. And, and Cole, I love your point here that just because you had success and you've had an exit doesn't mean that you're going to be able to repeat that because it's hard. I mean, it's really hard for a first-time entrepreneur to make it big and to have that exit, right? And then you, you take that again, like even though they're more qualified and more skilled, the percentage of people that try again and fail is so high because it is just hard. Yeah, I know. You're totally like the underdog from moment one, no matter yeah. how much experience you've had. Now, if you've had experience, then that's good. But you can make the argument. So the double-edged sword is this. When you need the money and you're hungry and you do whatever it takes to succeed, there's this great likelihood of succeeding. But the other side of that sword is, well, when you've had an exit and you don't need the money, maybe you don't work as hard, but maybe you're making decisions from a place of desire and passion as opposed to a need for money. And so it's interesting hearing you speak about this because when I look to invest in entrepreneurs, founders, businesses, something I consider is, are you a first time or are you a repeat entrepreneur? What was your track record? I like when people have had a financial exit where they don't need any money and they're truly doing it based on passion or desire in a specific industry, niche, genre, whatever it might be. But there's something to be said about that hustle when you need to pay the bills. Yeah, I know. And I think it's just like all these things live in the gray area, right? It's, it all comes down to vetting the, the opportunity. And I think that's where a lot of people, you obviously know more than I do because you got the show and your net your network is this mark, is this audience. But it's same thing with like deal flow, right? Like if you had a bunch of money in the bank, you're like, I got to invest it now. That's what you do. Inflation sucks. It's going to eat up my cash. Let me just go. And every deal that comes my way, yeah, throw some here, throw some there, throw some there. Well, guess what? That's probably not the smartest thing to do. Like, make sure you're still doing your due diligence. Make sure you're still investing in good opportunities, not just getting complacent. And I think that's the word, whether it's on the personal finance and investing aspect, whether it's the growing your business aspect. I work with a good handful of really great businesses right now to help them grow. And the number one thing that I see where I can help them is because in many cases, they kind of get to a point of growth that they don't want to be as involved. And then you start hiring team. And then you start hiring team, but you kind of have this like, 
it just gets too unwieldy, right? So you got people doing stuff, but it may not be the right stuff, right? And then your operating expenses have gone up and your efficiencies have gone down because now you got more people. So there's more management. There's more all of the things. And sometimes it just takes someone like me to come in and go, guys, let's focus on the needle movers in the business. Here's what you want. Here's the fastest way and the fastest path, two, three things for us to do to test that and see if that becomes the thing to then double the business. So once again, is that complacency? Not always, but I do think that a lot of entrepreneurs, as they're growing, they have the best intentions on how to grow it. But then once again, money's coming in and money sometimes will make you do not the smartest decisions. Hey, we got money. Let's go hire people. But do you really need to hire that many full-time people? Or can you get it done with a handful of 1099 guys that are specialized in their task? So it gets it's very interesting. And it's been fun for me, as I have been in this newest role, just to really get under the hood and sort of uncover. It's almost like I'm a doctor. I always think of it like you got I come in and the first thing I do is like this diagnostic, right? It's like, here's the problem. And it's interesting. It's very interesting. And it opened up my eyes to what we did very good at Cole's classroom that I kind of just took as like, that's just the playbook. That's just how we, everyone does it. Well, no, it's not. We just sort of how my brain works. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a special offer that I created for the lifestyle investor community. When I look back at my investing journey, there's one specific investment in particular that was the spark to increasing my net worth and allowing me to leave my job to become a lifestyle investor. I'm talking about mobile home parks. Yes, mobile home parks. If you just cringed a little, that's exactly why these provide such a great opportunity because of the negative stigma and stereotype people might have. In reality, this is an incredible investment that you can get into with little or no money down. You can also quickly get a return on your capital. You can immediately cash flow on day one. You can hold it forever as a cash cow. You get accelerated depreciation to reduce or eliminate the taxes that you would owe. And often the seller will finance the deal so you don't need a bank. You can also buy them at the highest cap rate of all real estate meaning it's the cheapest real estate to buy based on the income that it generates. And it's the lowest default rate of all real estate, meaning it's the safest asset class to own in real estate. I use this asset class to start my journey in real estate investing and grow my net worth to over eight figures all before I turned 40. And out of all the questions that people ask me, how do I get into mobile home parks is still the number one question that I get which is why I put together this mobile home park masterclass. This is a paid class that I'm offering for a limited time only. For all the details, head over to justindonald.com forward slash MHP and watch the video, which outlines all the details about the class and exactly what you get when you sign up. You'll also hear the incredible success stories from students who have gone through my content and are now making hundreds of thousands of dollars in passive income. If you want to take the same first step that I did that helped me take both my wife and I from working full-time jobs to becoming lifestyle investors, join me in my mobile home park masterclass and let's get started on your journey to becoming a lifestyle investor. Visit justindonald.com forward slash MHP for all the details. 
Yeah, I love it. And I want to dig into Cole's classroom a little bit. But before we do, I think what you're saying, Cole, is spot on because uh, there is, well, there really is an ignorance as a new entrepreneur, right? You start this company, not because, you know, in most cases, not because you're actually a savvy business person. It's because you had this idea and it took off. The market said yes. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm juggling all these. I'm juggling way too many things. And so part yeah. of it, like like you, I have done consulting for companies. I've helped companies scale. That was an interim thing that I did as, as I wanted to have impact on other business owners. And a lot of it is simple as where are you spending your time? Pareto's principle, yeah. right? It's like, well... You know, what to cut. That's right. What can a minimum wage person do? What can a medium wage person do? All right, great. Let's assign those over. What are the things that no one else can do that only you can do? And then what are the 20% of activities that produce 80% of the results in your business? Okay, let's make sure those are taken care of. And then from there, you specialize. Like what you said, all right, 1099, not an employee. You know, you probably have too many people here. You've No one's focused on sales. Let's build out one salesperson or whatever. Yeah. So I love that. What I would like to do is kind of take a trip down memory lane with you. And, and I'd love to hear your journey of going from corporate America mm-hmm. to starting Cole's classroom so that we can connect those dots. And then after that, I want to talk about what you're up to now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it all started at, a, I was in corporate finance at a college doing cost estimating for defense contractors. So I say that because I became very good at spreadsheets, <laughs> which, which ended up serving me very well when I was scaling Cole's classroom. And at lunchtime, me and some of the, the guys would just sit around lunch and basically dream of being our own boss one day and had all these, all these different ideas. I mean, geez, this was back in like 2008. And I remember one of the guys had an idea of selling HDMI cables on Amazon, <laughs> like just to, just to paint it back there. Right. And uh, anyways, I was kind of always the devil's advocate. Well, no, that wouldn't work because profit here sucks, blah, blah, blah. Well, one day I decided of all things to become a wedding photographer. Didn't even have a camera. And I went back. But the reason why I came up with that idea was because it's on the weekends. I worked during the week and I knew that it was right around that great recession time, right? We had the monstrous downturn. And I was like, people are still going to get married. They're still going to get married. And that sounds like a great time to be an new to the industry because I'm going to charge less anyways. And um, it'll be great to have some side income because I was a new time home buyer in San Diego, California, which we all know is plenty expensive to live out here. So that was sort of the initial soiree into my own side hustle. And I did that and I bought a camera and I taught myself photography. And then after I, luckily I actually enjoyed it too. And then after I taught myself, I taught my girlfriend back then, now wife. And we did it together. Um, a few years into that, on a photo shoot with one of my buddies, he was doing some stuff online. His name was Sean. And I asked him about how he's doing. And he said he was killing it, make, making like 300 grand a year, basically just doing three launches a year, basically. And I was like, man, I should teach photography online. So at that point, I was still doing the full-time day job. I was still doing weddings. And then on top of that, I uh, started Cole's Classroom. So I had to literally, speaking of being hungry, right? I was for the first six months, well, longer than that, but I wanted to quit three times in the first six months because literally I 
was fitting in extra time by waking up at 4.30 in the morning to go and record a tutorial for YouTube or write a tutorial on the blog kind of thing. Go to work, sit in traffic, listen to like Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn, who's now a buddy and you know, did that whole thing. Come home from work, edit some photos, eat dinner and write more tutorials. So I did that for a whole year. Then I launched our first product. That's when I referenced, we did a hundred grand that following year. I went to traffic and conversion conference. And this was, I think the year before you and I met there. So I want to okay. say it was 2014, my first time going there. And I remember Ryan Dice on stage saying, I didn't know him then. Now he's a buddy, but I remember him saying, everyone comes to me and says that they have a traffic problem, but there's no such thing as a traffic problem. You just got to go to the traffic store and buy it. And I was like, damn, that's pretty smart. And that's when I was like, I remember also, he was like, hey, it's been three days of learning all this stuff. Most people are going to be overwhelmed. Just focus on doing one thing. And I'm like, yeah, screw that. I'm going to do more than one thing. So basically, I went back and I learned how to do Facebook advertising all myself. And I, I learned how to do webinars. And I just went to town. And that was the year that we were able to, to be honest, quickly scale to one and a half million and then double it and then some beyond. So one thing you said earlier, that was exactly how my mindset works as well. I, I had to discover it from an operational standpoint for the business was I actually had a physical diagram on a piece of paper in four quadrants. And one day I wrote down things I'm good at and things I enjoy. And then the other two are things I suck at and things that I hate doing. And I literally tasked out everything in there that I was doing. And it was either I'm good at it or I enjoy it or I'm bad at it or I don't like it. And that's exactly how I built out the team. And everything that got built out, I did it first to know it and to learn it. And then I knew how to manage that person. And I also had an idea how long it should take. And because of that, we were able to scale while keeping margins super high. I mean, even at the time of sale at uh, multiple seven figures at top line, we still had 40% margin. So it was a good thing, you know, and it was a good run. And it's fun to be back in there now in a different way. Cole, that's an incredible margin. And for anyone that is a business owner, they would kill to get a 40% profit margin. That's awesome. It's neat hearing the story. And I remember meeting you. So it was the year after that. And I remember meeting you. We had that lunch out on the pier. And I just remember thinking, gosh, this guy's sharp. And you had just at that point in time gotten done with like a fitness challenge. And you were like in some of the best shape you'd ever been in. And I remember like just paying attention to how disciplined you were there and thinking, yeah, that probably rubs through and bleeds into every area of his life. Like if he can be that disciplined to his personal fitness, his physical fitness, I'm sure he's that way with his business. And lo and behold, you were and it has served you really well. So it's fun kind of going full circle from where we first met in person. And I had heard about you a lot prior to that, just because we have several mutual friends, but it was good to put a face with a name and then follow your story from afar. And when I got the email that you guys had an exit or I, I can't remember if I heard it from you, if I was on, I on Facebook, I'm sure yeah. you probably saw it on Facebook or something. And I was just so excited for you because I just love sharing in the, you know, the, the joy, the emotions of it. And I think it's really important that people celebrate it right away. Cause if they don't, then it loses the luster 
like everything, all of it loses the luster and you're on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really been fun to watch as a spectator. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. No, it's, and it's fun to be here, right? And recount that because that was a long time ago. That was probably seven, seven years ago. So yeah, totally a long time ago. And it's, it's neat to see where each of us have gone since. Question for you, when I stepped away and, and had you know my first exit, and for the record, I've never really had a monster exit. You know, I think for me, the way I built my wealth is a whole bunch of singles and doubles. I've never had a company yeah. that just had a, a big windfall. So, you know, when I say first exit, I use that really loosely because it it wasn't much of an exit. But I decided that I wanted to take a year off and I wanted to travel the world and I took my family and it was incredible. And I started paying attention to the things that I enjoy doing the most. So, you know, I found myself reading every day, journaling every day. I would journal about I guess the the ahas that I had, but one of the consistent things that I noticed is I was constantly working on deals mm-hmm. and I was constantly coaching my friends to financial freedom. And I love to teach and I love to learn. And so I thought to myself, well, I wonder what that would look like if I took like all these things that I do anyway. I'm not paid to do this. I'm just doing sure. it for fun. And I was able to observe this over a year's period of time. And what if I kind of created a business out of that? I think that could be cool. I could be serving the purpose of like helping educate people, helping them to get to financial freedom. But at the same time, it causes me to have to learn more and I have to show up in a way where I can teach people. And it was just fun. You know, in our first year of, of the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind, we had 19 people in the mastermind achieve financial freedom. It was just incredible. Yeah. And so, I share that because I'm curious how long you took between selling Cole's Classroom and starting this new venture and what you did in that time. Because I think that sabbatical, that that time of not having to do anything is very or can be very healing. Yeah. Great question. I worked with the company that acquired us for, I think, about 18 months. So that was that tough time period, right? And the first six months, it was a tough, you're right in the high of the exit, you're in this new thing and you're like jazzed on the future still. And then you start to feel like those things that you miss when it was your anything of your own. And it took a while before I finally had the courage again to be like, I'm gonna quit, bye-bye, quarter million a year, easy money, which we needed that. I mean, from a, on a monthly cash flow basis, we needed that. So. After that, it was kind of like, well, of course, I'm going to just like figure it out. And that was the sort of like more challenging thing. I had one idea I had, and you you could barely see the guitar case over here. I used to have like a stack of guitar amps because I used to play in rock bands and stuff. And and it was sort of like, well, I'm going to go and build a, a new thing for teaching guitar. I taught photography. Why don't I teach guitar? Right. And the truth is, is after I did like, 30 YouTube videos, I was like, I hate this stuff. Like, you know, and it wasn't as easy for me to record, believe it or not, it was a way easier on photography to just quickly turn on and screen record like editing or so the actual content production, I was like, this isn't me. I know this isn't even what I enjoyed back then. Why am I doing this now? Also like low ticket business for high ticket, like, no, like that ship has sailed. So I put a kibosh to that. And what I'm doing now, actually, 
so I kind of was always, I've always, I've been in, I can't say always since selling, I've been in this mindset of knowing I am ready to acquire another business. I'm just waiting for the right opportunity. Don't want to do startup because startups from ground zero is so hard to get that momentum by a company. So there was a handful of times I get really, really focused after that cold outreach, the whole nine, never landed anything just yet. So then that would go away. Then I would try and dabble in a startup of my own. Then I'd say, no, that's annoying. You know, that kind of thing. Once again, you got the money in the bank and less time now, and less motivation now. So it, I had a lot of starting and stopping. Ultimately, similar to kind of you, I realized I'm still thinking about business growth. It, it just doesn't turn off. And since I'm still thinking about it, maybe I should just start doing that. Exactly like what you said. And the way I did it, and how it transpired into the company I have now, there's sort of like three different pivots. A little over a year ago, probably 15 months ago, I gave myself a challenge. And I said, I made a course in 30 days. So I made a course, I sold it for $3,000. And just from hustling, basically, and just putting myself through that challenge of like, how many people can I get in there? I think I got like 25 people, students at 3K a pop. So it was like, Woohoo. Like I could still make money again. You know, I had to give that little vote of confidence, made like 75 grand in those 30 days though, when the people went through the course, cause there was like 30 days of coaching, basically most of them were still like needed a lot of help. <laughs> and then I was like, well, shit. Okay. Let me pivot that into like a 90 day coaching program. They need more help. So then I did. And like half of them continued on with me for 90 days. And at the end of the 90 days, I'm like, what the heck? Why aren't these people getting results? As many of them, you know, I had like a couple like success stories and they were implementing and others weren't. And then I started to feel really crappy because I'm like, man, these people paid me money and I'm here showing up for them. But for some reason, they aren't taking the ball and running with it. So that led me to my next pivot where I kind of realized there's this huge gap, right? If somebody's doing, there's, there's this huge gap that businesses have when they're, they, they've grown to a point but they don't have enough capital in the business to actually have a team to do the implementations. They're the creators or the visionaries, not the marketing or sales implementers. So then what happens is these companies go and they go and hire an agency, for example. And they don't know anything about ads anyways. They just know they need to do ads. So they hire an agency and the agency usually doesn't do a good job because they're just their client's just another number for them. And maybe they only know how to run ads, but they know nothing about what happens after the ad, the back end, the front end, the conversion rate optimization of the funnel, you name it, the tracking, the analytics. So then the client gets bad results. They say the agency sucks or they say that literally ads don't work for them. And of course, you and I both know what was missing was having somebody to come up with the right strategy or even proactively look and say, I can tell you right now, this isn't going to convert cold traffic. And here's why you don't have a, any back end to monetize them or whatever. So ultimately that led me to my pivot of what I do now, which is I said, well, people are going to just pay me and I'll just be the strategist and the implementer, depending on what my, the particular client needs. So essentially I'm filling the gap that I believe a lot of growing companies have. And some of these companies are even already doing seven figures and they still have that gap. Because it's a knowledge and skill set gap that they don't have. And they're already busy doing all the other crap that they got to do. So then they go and hire and there's no one to manage it effectively. They don't really know if they're going to screw it over or not. 
And that's where I sort of fit into the puzzle because I got this very diverse, high-level entrepreneurial brain. And it's just none of it today in today's market is, is one-dimensional. There is no, you see the ClickFunnels awards behind me. There's no real one funnel away. There's no more one thing away. Like very small percentage. If you're doing super high ticket stuff and you already have an audience, cool. You, you made a funnel, you made a webinar and you filled it and you're making buku bucks. But for most businesses that aren't doing super high ticket coaching, it takes a lot, as we said earlier, a lot of hard work, a lot of intention, a lot of strategy. And that's ultimately what I am happy to have, be able to have the impact I do with is, which is, as we discussed earlier, having that more diagnostic approach, that doctor going in and going, all right, here's all the problems. Here's how to fix it with the least amount of effort that'll yield the best results. So that's the new company is called Rapid Scale Group. Despite the name, it's just me. So there's no big agency. It's just me. I get to be very picky and choosy with who I work with. I only work with people I actually can help. And it's been really, really, really cool. Really cool. It's that right balance of... Because people ask me, why are you doing consulting stuff now? You sold a low-ticket business that was doing multiple seven figures. The answer is, is that it's making me sharper than ever because I'm now going into... And on my client roster, I have everyone from high ticket to low ticket to software to e-com to you know, B2B and everything in between. So it's it, the challenges there that I love. I'm having an impact because I'm able to serve my clients, honestly, in a, in a more valuable way for less dollars because it's on a fractional basis. And since it is just me and not me managing my own team and not I'm not trying to scale it to the moon, I'm able to balance, speaking of your brand, your lifestyle, right? I am able to still make money have impact, still have time when I want to go fishing with my dad on our boat, when I want to go take my daughters to the beach, when I want to go take my wife or we go to the gym together and then go to lunch date. So this is letting me do all that. And on top of that, there's inherently some deal flow because once I'm, I'm basically getting paid to help grow companies and then some of them hasn't happened yet, but we were close on some where they go, hey, what does it look like if you like actually worked in a more formal capacity with us. So it's checking all the boxes right now. Cool. That's incredible. And there are so many different verticals, so many different opportunities as I see it. The differentiator to me is that you're the implementer because there are a lot of companies that consult, but you'll actually get in and you'll do it. And that is really important. And by the way, I'm a huge believer in the fractional opportunity. I hire fractionals for all kinds of stuff. And my goal as an entrepreneur is not to in-house more people. It's to outsource to the most senior expertise that's out there. And even if it's just on a fractional basis, because that might be all that you need. And I think you can do this with a COO. You can do it with a CFO. You can do it with marketing. You can do it with sales. I mean, there's so many fractional roles that you get the highest level of quality, but for something reasonable that even a a new company can afford. So I love hearing that. My brain though is going in all these different directions where I'm like, whoa, the opportunities have to be out of control. Like, yes, of course there's the opportunity that you could stay on full time, Yeah, yeah. but there's the opportunity to invest. There's the opportunity to get on boards or create a board with the company. There's the opportunity to synergistically merge or partner companies that 
could be very beneficial to one another. Um, you know, I mean, there has to be so, I mean, there's an opportunity for you to take a piece on an exit. Like there's so much, I feel like total win-win in this type of framework. And I'm sure you're exploring all of it, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And the funny thing is, is today, one of my newest clients came on and one of my existing clients, I'm like, man, you guys are like, you guys need each other. They got this really cool e-learning platform and you have this really cool video like messaging tool that, yeah. So it's cool. You know, and I think it took me a while, honestly, once again, just acknowledging the challenges that I had in that three-year duration. It took a little bit of time to be okay with even being the implementer, right? And not every one of my clients, I am the implementer because every client, there's a different diagnostic on what they need. But um, certainly there's some that I'm in the weeds and it might just be running Google ads, YouTube ads, whatever, building landing pages. But I had to get okay with that. And because a lot of us are always ingrained in this idea of like only passive, passive income, everything. And the truth is, is I pretty much don't think there's much that's passive because I would even argue with you. And I know, I'm sure you could say, absolutely there is, but how many hours did it take for you to talk to all these people to get the passive deals? There's always active work that has to come into place before you get to the, the lustful passive income opportunities. So bottom line is sometimes you just got to roll your sleeves up and get after it. Don't worry about the title. Don't worry about what you're doing. Is it something you enjoy? Yeah. And I think it, you're, you're asking this question also is, is this better than where I was? Right? So he, here's where I am today. Does this make me better? Does this create a better situation? And for people that want to... If someone really wants to move from active to passive, is this more passive than what I'm doing? <laughs> On the active-passive scale, which direction am I going in? And so I think you can definitely move in that direction. But there's certainly due diligence that needs to happen. Otherwise... You can lose money. Uh, even with proper due diligence, you can lose money. So um, yeah, yeah there, there's a lot of truth to that. You made a comment in passing that I want to make sure is highlighted because to you, and I'd say to me, this is smart, but it's also like, of course, this is what you do. And I don't know if this is the case for everyone. You made the comment, I don't want to be in startups. They're so risky, so much going on. I'd rather get involved with a company that has an established team, that has a culture, that has profit or revenue at a certain point where profit's right around the corner. And there's strength to that. So like when I invest, I rarely invest in startups. It's so high risk. You know, I've got a small percentage of my portfolio allocated to angel investing, like seed round stuff. But I mean, the statistics show that to be successful in that type of investing, you really have to have 50 investments to get the one uh, that goes big, right? So most people aren't going to do that. I've got some unique strategies and some funds that kind of accomplish that. So I don't have to be in 50 different deals that I have vetted, right? Yep. But once you take over a company that already has... They're past the danger zone. It doesn't mean they're going to succeed, but they're past it. I don't know if you've read the book Buy Then Build by Walker Geibel. I knew you were going to say that book. Yeah, great yeah, book. Yeah, great book. So he's he's in the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind. He's an awesome guy, brilliant guy. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, that like buy businesses that are in a good place. Pay a fair yeah. multiple on EBITDA and or in some instances revenue, ideally EBITDA. Yeah. And and roll with it there because the culture is established. You've got a framework. You've got a team. You've got 
you know, all the things you can plug in an operator because you already know that there's uh, enough profit Money. to afford it. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I, I like, I just want to highlight that for people that, you know, instead of maybe you're moving from corporate America and you want to start something, well, there's actually an easier way potentially than starting something. I mean, if your idea is just amazing, great, do that. For someone that's just had an exit, instead of starting another business, buy another business and, and scale it. You know, there's, it's just such, such a ripe area and industry for opportunity. And especially when you're inside that like five to 15, five to 20, five to $25 million company. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely a smart play. And well, I'm still always keeping my eyes open too. So if you hear of anything, let me know. That sounds good. Well, Colt, this has been incredible. You are an inspiration. Your story is just fantastic. Where can people find out more about you? Yeah, no, I've enjoyed this too. I really appreciate chit-chatting with you today. The best spot to find me is uh, rapidscalegroup.com. And you can certainly email me through there, Cole at rapidscalegroup.com. And I'm always on Facebook too. So if you just enjoyed the chit chat and want to say hello, whether it's an email or a Facebook message, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. That's awesome. Well, thank you. This has been wonderful. And I want to leave my audience with the message that I like to reinforce every single week. And that's this. What's the one step that you can take today to move towards financial freedom and move towards a life that you truly desire that's on your terms? So it's not by default. It's by design. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who could benefit from this episode, would you share it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all the resources mentioned, visit www.justindonald.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor.